0: Today we celebrate the triumphal entry of our Lord into Jerusalem, otherwise known as Palm Sunday. And here are some words that can help us meditate on what our Lord is trying to teach us today from the Gospel of St. Luke And it came to pass when he drew near to Bethpage and Bethany at the mountain called Olivet, that he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village opposite. On entering it you will find a colt of an ass tied, upon which no man ever yet sat. Loose it and bring it. And if anyone asks you why are you loosening it, you shall answer him thus because the Lord has need of it. And they who were sent went away and found the colt standing, even as he had told them. And as they were loosing the colt, its owners said to them, Why are you loosing the colt? And they replied, Because the Lord has need of it. And this is the the colt, or donkey, that our Lord uses, in order to enter into Jerusalem. Our Lord today teaches us many lessons in humility. And this donkey is the first image that we consider in this entry that reminds us of humility. Notice that he is Uh, that the donkey is not a stallion. It is not a Clydesdale. It is not one of the great horses that an army general would actually use in order to celebrate a triumph. The Romans would certainly find it ridiculous for one of their generals to celebrate his triumph by riding on a donkey he would be the laughing stock of so many and they believed that they were gods for that day as they celebrated the triumph certainly not or it would be it would make it less believable if they were riding on a donkey but our lord is not afraid of what people will say and he's not afraid of his image and that is the hallmark of his humility. Humility is truth, as St. Teresa of Avila would say. And that is why he chooses a donkey. It's kind of the, the refuse of the world. Of the, of the It's kind of a, an awful animal, we could say. Not very seemly, not very good-looking, but humble. St. Paul would say, But the foolish things of the world has God chosen to put to shame the wise and the weak things of the world has God chosen to put to shame the strong and the base things of the world and the despised has God chosen and the things that are not to bring to naught to the things that are, lest any flesh should pride itself before him. This donkey, this colt, is nothing despised in the world. But he leads our Lord. And the important thing that our Lord actually focuses on in this passage that we have just read is not what kind of animal it is, but that the fact that no man had ever sat on it yet. Which is representative of, let's say, purity. The purity of our lives. The purity of our heart. How we keep it entirely dedicated to god that's what our lord looks at he looks at the heart and he looks at where it is actually focused and that is why he doesn't care he can be born in a stable he can be born in the womb of a peasant woman she doesn't have to be a queen He'll make her a queen, but the world does not need to recognize that with its laurels and its crowns and its jewels. It doesn't matter. What our Lord looks for is a humble heart that can accept him. This this reminds me of G.K. Chesterton's poem called The Donkey, which precisely has this theme. That the donkey, being the refuse of the world, is now crowned with our Lord and gets the reward that it never expected. And it goes like this. When fishes flew and forests walked and figs grew upon thorn, some moment when the moon was blood, then surely I was born. With monstrous head and sickening cry and ears like errant wings, the devil's walking parody on all four footed things. The tattered outlaw of the earth, of ancient crooked will. Starve, scourge, deride me, I am dumb. I keep my secret still. Fools, for I also had my hour, one far fierce hour and sweet. There was a shout about my ears and palms before my feet. This is the donkey that is starved, scourged, derided because he's dumb. But he has his secret. He has his sweet hour, which is when our Lord sits upon him and he leads them into Jerusalem with palms before his feet on Palm Sunday the donkey is a faithful animal. St. Josemaria loved donkeys because they were hardworking, they were humble, and yes, they would pray every now and then, but then they would bow their head and go back and work for their master. St. Josemaria wrote an allegory of the donkey about the life of the donkey that goes around the water wheel, and there's nothing new in his life except just the water wheel and the rut that he's in. And yet, throughout his life, he knows that because of his work, because of his humble, hidden work, all the flowers in the field are blossoming. And at the end of of the life of the donkey, in this allegory that St. Maria considered many times, he says even his skin is used to make drums at the end when there's nothing else to give. He's squeezed out like a lemon and the hide is used for drums that praise god and this is exactly what our life should be humble hard-working and always and in everything giving the glory all the glory to god this brings us to a second image in in today's feast the palms themselves The Palms of Palm Sunday. Another image that speaks to us about humility. Humility. And in this case, the palms represent the greatest triumph of Jesus, if you will, before the world. But these turn to ashes. And in fact, we do that liturgically on ash wednesday we burn the ashes from the previous palm sunday and put them on our heads to remind us of the fleeting nature of this world we are dust and to dust we shall return and these are the ashes of all the human glory that those palms had the previous year well for our lord these palms actually turned to ashes Immediately, by Good Friday, the same people that were acclaiming claiming him to be king, who said, blessed is he who comes as king in the name of the Lord, those are the same people that are now yelling, we want Barabbas, release Barabbas and not this man. Crucify Jesus. Crucify him, crucify him. And So many times we are those people we are kind of the part of the anonymous crowd that asks for our lord's crucifixion because we we want human glory we want human praise we don't care to give all the glory to god and we fail to recognize where our lord's glory is to be found which is in the cross in the throne of the cross from which he reigns in the crown of thorns not with the you know crowns with jewels but when we think about ourselves too much and when we habitually lead a life that just seeks praise from others we so readily turn our lord in to be crucified aristotle a pagan pagan philosopher He knew that happiness could not be found in honor because, among other things, he said, it depends on others. (laughs) And he said fulfillment, or happiness, he he intuited, should not depend on something external, like others' opinions, because others' opinions, the opinion of people around us, could go up and down. It's like the wheel of fortune, goes up and down. But it really should depend on something internal, something stable, something permanent. Something that actually is grounded on truth, grounded on something eternal, we could say, on God, God himself. So often we look for praise out of a sense of insecurity because we don't know ourselves and we need to, we want people to tell us that we are great, that we are good. St. Zemaria used to say that the best business he could could, uh, enter into is to buy someone for what they are really worth and to sell them for what they're actually worth or what they think they're worth, excuse me, because they always think that they're worth a lot more than what they are actually worth. And that's just the nature of our human pride. We all have a kind of movie director within us. A Steven Spielberg. Little Steven Spielberg that lives within us. And he's shooting film all the time. Everything that we do he's recording. However, when it comes time to play back what we have what he has recorded he edits all those bad things that we don't really want to look at because you know that he knows that there's no market in bad things so he gives us our little documentary with great things about that we have done you know that ba- basketball shot that is perfect the swoosh and we just keep playing back the swoosh and then we rewind and play back the swoosh again and again and again and again because we need that self-image of greatness and we want to be told, you are good. Oh, you're good. Oh, you're the best. And in our memory, we, we do that. We don't mortify our memory. Um, and we just give in to this indulgence of self-excellence and we just play back our best hits. It, I mean, it, it really is funny, but we build our self-image that way. And we think we're worth a lot more than we're actually worth. And the thing is, you know, like in any documentary, you shoot, you know, um, hours and hours, hundreds of hours of, of film, but you only use five percent of it. And that editing job is is the editing job of our pride. Our pride is the one that just edits all the, the good things, like the Pharisee in, in the in the synagogue. You know, I tithe, I I fast, I do my norms, I do the, I'm a good guy. i I'm, I'm a good person. Because I do all these things for God. I thank Thee, God, you know, because I am not like that publican there in the back who's a sinner and blah, 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 blah. You know, we fool ourselves. (laughs) That Pharisee was, you know, yes, he tithed. Now, that's a good thing. Yes, he fasted. Yeah, okay, that's a good thing. But 95% of the time, he was probably, you know, judging others. He was probably not humble. He was probably despising his neighbor he was he had lazarus at his door begging but you know he didn't open his heart to him he maybe passed by you know the 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 guy that that um in the parable of the good samaritan that didn't do anything for the guy that fell with robbers i mean we we have to realize who we are we have to know ourselves now at the same time We have to recognize our greatness, the greatness that God has chosen us as the donkey, so to speak. We are children of God, but as creatures, as sinners, we are nothing. And yet, because of the gifts of God, we are everything. But how do we how do we get to know ourselves? How do we live this humility that our Lord is calling us to live today? I would say with a deep examination of conscience, a sincere examination of conscience. And then the same sincerity and spiritual direction and confession. We have so many opportunities to get to know ourselves. And then taking down the advice that we get from that person who who leads our soul, who leads us up the inclined plane, who prays about us and for us. Take down the advice and take it to your prayer. Pray about it. Sometimes it, 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 you know, it stings a little bit, just like you know everything you know, that someone tells us that is not going so well really stings a little bit. But if we are humble, we'll take it, and we will actually use it for our improvement. We will use it for our improvement, and then, and then we will be, we will be great because it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. We are not great because of because of ourselves but because of god who acts through us that's therein lies our triumph therein lies our glory you know that i glory in this so we need to today we need to recover from our failures because we're not all bad you know, and when we do fail, we just can't l- l- believe that we are nothing and that we're stupid and that we're whatever. We shouldn't give in to kind of depression because we have failed in whatever, but we should also recover from our successes. We should also recover from our successes. And we need to, we need to, you know, the, the, the younger we are, the better um, when we learn that lesson. I, I mean, I saw a little kid once having lost a soccer match and he was kicking a tree like there was no tomorrow and his mother was just watching him and said okay are you finished kicking the tree poor tree you know the mother was helping him recover from his failure you know but he was fit to be that those things need to be corrected in children because otherwise pride just blows out of proportion you know that failure was, you know, something that he needed to learn, he needed to go through. Same as I have prayed for someone who was kind of cocksure of himself after the Civil War in Spain. Everybody was going back to school and they had exams. And this resident of the, of the residence that he set up after the war was very cocky. He knew everything. He did this and that, and that. Seems as I have prayed for him to fail. And he failed. And that's exactly what he needed, actually. Humility you a humility thank god for humiliations we can purify ourselves here not better here than in purgatory lord help me help me to not be overblown full of hot air and i do that i can avoid this pride by a sincere examination of conscience that's what i need to I don't care what other people say. I really don't care. I could care less, just like you could care less, Lord, of what people say. You know, this is what we need to do today. There's a third image that takes us along the path of humility, and that is a very kind of strange image, actually. When, when The Pharisees hear that the crowds are praising our Lord and saying, Blessed is he who comes as king in the name of the Lord. They complain to our Lord and say, Master, rebuke your disciples. I mean, they're kind of worshiping you and you're not doing anything about it. You're not rending your garments. You're not scandalized. You're kind of taking it all in. And he responds in a very mysterious way. He says, I tell you that if these keep silence, the stones will cry out. Or the rocks will cry out. Ooh, what does that mean? What are these rocks, what are these stones that will cry out? Our Lord, usually, usually, he does not accept praise from from human beings, you know, in the gospel. When they want to make him king, he runs away, he hides. You know, because they they're not worshipping correctly. He doesn't accept worship that is not, or praise that is not, uh, you know, upright and sincere. And and he doesn't accept, you know, the um, he doesn't want the glory of all the people that hear about how many lepers have been cured and all that stuff. And that's why he even tells them, you know, don't tell anyone about this. But, of course, they can't keep their mouth shut, so they tell the whole world about it and you know he doesn't allow the witness of certain people because he says he knew what was in man which was basically implying there was vanity pride nothing good and so he didn't want their witness but here he kind of accepts it and he even says if these people don't do it rocks will do it the rocks will cry out the stones will cry out you know who are these rocks? <laughs> what does he mean by that? Well, I think literally the rocks will cry out. And in fact, they did. Here's what one scholar says about Good Friday. He says that the rocks cried out on Good Friday because everybody else was silent about his kingship. He says, when Jesus died on the cross, once again, the Pharisees did not want to acknowledge that this Jesus on the cross was the Son of God crucified. The disciples, in fear, had turned silent. And because of that silence, the sun cried out the only way it could, by becoming dark from the sixth to the ninth hour. The rocks cried out the only way they could. The earth shook. Graves were opened. Saints arose to give glory to God. After all the disciples who were called to worship were hiding in fear for the Pharisees. Even the temple cried out in the only way it could. The whole purpose of the temple was to insulate the holy from the unholy. Now that separating curtain was torn in two from top to bottom. No separation left. Even the cross on which he was hanging proclaimed, this is the king of the Jews. Now unbelievers like the centurion would cry out, surely this was the son of God and others... Because they had no words of faith, would beat their breasts. Well, here are people crying out, who are not even believers. These are the rocks, you know. Kind of from the mouth of babes, you will get the truth. And this is these are nature is actually proclaiming the glory of the the Lord, like the Psalm says. They cannot keep it hidden. In fact, this is God. This is God coming. And St. John the Baptist had already said that, you know, from, from these stones, God is able to raise up children of Abraham. And in fact, he did from these pagan centurions and, you know, all these Romans. They were grafted into Israel so that they too could attain salvation. These were the stones that have proclaimed Jesus to be God, sometimes even faster than some of the Jews. You know, who were well supposed to be the chosen people and were given a lot of opportunities. Here we see that our Lord wants everything that was said in secret about him to be disclosed, so that his words really um, apply uh, very nicely when he said, "For what you have said in darkness will be said in the light, and what you have whispered in inner chambers." will be preached on the housetops. Now he wants us to preach from the housetops that he is Lord and this is this he does in all humility. you know and if we don't do it, the rocks will do it in all humility. nature will do it in all humility. These rocks that you know represent really those people who are the simple, innocent people who normally don't have a voice in society. They they will proclaim great truths that, you know, will be irresistible to the wise and the learned, we could say. Children normally speak truth and they embrace it through and through. Uh, There was a family um, in the car. The father was speeding. I heard this from someone. And the... Well, they got pulled over because they were speeding. And then the cop comes and says, um, "So, what's going on?" And the children just blurt out, "Officer, we told him that he was going too fast and that he was going to get pulled over." <laughs> Before he could say anything, I mean, just children blurt it out. You know, they just say the truth. They say what they what they understand. And that's exactly what what the simple will actually. Um, proclaim, you know, people who, who are not very sophisticated, somehow today, they understand that marriage is between a man and a woman. Children understand that marriage is between a man and a woman forever. You know, that's it. Why? Saint Josemaria would say, you know, super senes intellecti quia mandata tua from a psalm. I am wiser than the learned. Because I have kept your commandments. That's what makes me humble. That's what makes me wise. The fact that I have kept your commandments in a humble way. I now have this wisdom that, that and this courage to proclaim the truth. That other people who are imbued with pride, who have a, an agenda to proclaim right, and, and, and to safeguard they cannot see certain basic truths that a child that a child's life begins at conception that the elderly are people that we, that are an asset to society not a weight to society you know that the sick are are treasures that contraception leads to selfishness and a collapse of the family that abortion is killing our future and are present and it's just these truths that people somehow are blind to lately which are not even truths of faith or truths of of nature of reason those will be proclaimed loud and clear by rocks by nature itself you know, by the simple by those people who normally don't have a voice why because they're humble And it is and and it will be the reward of their humility to know the truth and to actually guide the world, to guide the stallions, you know, and they will be the donkeys that will guide the stallions and, and, and our Lord will bring salvation through the foolish things of this world, you know, the foolish things he has chosen to put to shame, the wise and the weak things of the world. He has chosen to put to shame the strong and the base things of the world and the despised has God chosen that the things that are not and the things that are not to bring to naught the things that are. Well, these are those, those rocks. And that's what we aspire to be, to be humble, humble rocks that know the truth, that can discern the truth. That can then be used, actually, to build upon, to build, to rebuild the church. Let us um, take to heart these lessons. The lesson of the donkey, the lesson of the palms, the lesson of the rocks. They all point to a deeper humility that we want to attain. A deeper humility that will allow us to know the truth and to have the courage to live by it. Let us turn to Mary, who was always there next to her son whenever he needed her, especially at the foot of the cross. We want to accompany her this week as she goes up to Calvary. We want to be like St. John and the other women, maybe Nicodemus and St. Joseph of Arimathea, Simon of Cyrene and the others, who were there just simply... Uh, silent and yet accompanying our Lord in his agony, co-redeeming all of mankind. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.